Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, people? Welcome to Paint Points. I'm your host, Jake Painting. You can find me on Twitter at Jake Painting, J-A-K-E-P-A-Y-N-T-I-N-G. As usual, the podcast is sponsored by the SB Nation Podcast Network, part of the Tanner Supers family. Today, we're going to get back into our, our draft deep dives position-wise. Um, joining me, as usual, to do it is Tyler Metcalf. What's going on, man? I'm doing well. Happy to be back on. We got incredible basketball going on in, in the bubble. We have draft lottery coming up this next week, so things are looking up. Yeah, it's finally kind of starting to, as you know, resemble some sort of normality, I guess. And the bubble basketball has been awesome, even better than I think the most optimistic predictions could have predicted. It's it's been really fun to actually get some basketball back. Um, like you said, the draft lottery is in seven days, so that means that we might have some some new, I guess, content to, to go over, or at least have a, our rankings that are, we can actually get into rankings specifically on where teams are going to draft, so that'll be fun. Today, we're going we're gonna to just do shooting guards, so we'll go through our top five shooting guards and then give you guys uh, one, one sleeper each, I know. Uh, there's a few really fun shooting guards. I think this might be my, my favorite position in the draft. So uh, without further ado, we'll jump straight into it. I know we've both got the same first guy. So so do you want to get into it, uh, Tyler? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's Anthony Edwards. I mean, this guy is, is and has been number one on most people's boards since last summer. Um, I and mean, he's incredibly talented. Um you know, I, I, I think I, I have a number two in my draft guide, but I think he probably has the highest ceiling out of anyone in this draft. And I, he's one of the most athletically athletically gifted and just talented players in this draft. Yeah, I, I mean, we've spoken about him a ton on this podcast and, and there's there's clear warts there. He, his shot selection, his mentality, right. I guess, defensively and sometimes even offensively, he's a bit. He tends to float a little bit, but the raw skills are, are so obvious when you watch him. I mean, the, the first step, the shot creation. Even though he did he didn't shoot high percentages, and he, and he often took you know pretty head scratching jumpers. The the ability to create his own shot and create space in the mid range and and beyond the arc are both pretty special for, for a 19, 18-year-old kid. Um, the I think there's defensive potential, even though he, he hasn't really shown much of that at the moment, but when he does really lock in and, and get into a stance, he can really lock guys up. He's super athletic. He's strong as hell. He, he really can dislodge defenders, you know, drive him to the rim. Even at, at six foot five, he kind of... Six foot five, 225 pounds, so... 
just a really strong kid and it's it's easy i mean you, you I've, i know a lot of people you're kind of either on one side of the fence or the other with edwards uh, if you you see all the things he doesn't do right you, it's pretty easy to to write him off but where if you if you see the things he does right uh, he does right it's it's really hard not to get you know intrigued by the by his skill set and what he could become if, if a coaching staff could really, you know, hone in on, on those talents. Yeah, and like the when when you talk about his absolute peak, and if people haven't seen it, I highly, highly, highly recommend going and checking out his second half against Michigan State and <laughs> yeah. his and the uh, preseason tournament. I mean, it was incredible. Everything he put up went in. He was playing defense. Uh, he was attacking the rim. He was pulling up from deep behind the arc. I mean, it was everything you wanted from him. Um, you had like 30, he had like thirty five in the second half, didn't he? Uh, yeah, I think he finished with like thirty eight and like thirty four or thirty five. All came in like the second half. <laughs> um, so I, unfortunately, he does tend to disappear, um, which really worries me. Uh, and that's that's my biggest concern with him because I mean, I feel like so often we see we see these prospects who are uber athletes and uber talented and then we're like oh if he can just lock in or he's great when he locks in and how often do they really end up locking in in the pros i'm sure sure there are cases and i'm really 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 hoping that that his lack of interest in basketball was just his situation at georgia yeah. um but i mean if he he i worry that he's just not one of these guys that loves basketball and he just will kind of expect to get drafted high, expect to get playing time, expect, expect, and I'm hoping that that's wrong um, because I love his talent, and if he does reach his peak, he'll, he'll I, in my mind, I think he'll easily be the best player from this draft. It's just if. So I, I think he's really situation-dependent on where he goes. Yeah, I think he needs a... a team that's going to put him in a specific role. I don't think giving him free reign over an offense from year one is going to, you know, help him at all. I think that might just accentuate the flaws that he has, the the shot chucking and the the kind of do whatever you want attitude that he had at Georgia. So 100%. I think, yeah, that's why I do like him at Minnesota because I think at least with, with players like Towns and, and Russell, he's probably immediately a third option at, at best. And maybe right. that you'd go. Uh, just uh, if he, if he can get into a situation where like an already established like ball handler or playmaker, yeah. like a Golden State, like Minnesota, like Atlanta, um, I think that'd be way better for him than you know. I Cleveland has a variety of point guards, but none of them have really kind of excelled to being like that true team leader. Um, I I he'd be fun and. At Madison Square Garden, but I feel like that fit with the Knicks, like you'd just be given reign to kind of do whatever, and they don't have that true leader. So if he's kind of put into that role where they have an established playmaker um, and he's kind of forced to do more off-ball stuff, I think that'll be incredibly important for his future development. Right, and I think in that situation, the the key to him becoming good is him being willing to accept you know, a third option role and uh, like a catch and shoot guy, attack Absolutely. attack closeouts off the dribble. I mean, he's. I don't think. I think at his peak, he could be you know a first option, but 
he's never going to get good enough unless he can learn to be, you know, a third or fourth option and, and really learn to pick his spots and attack his strengths. I mean, he's so good going to the ring that it's, it's so frustrating watching him not do it enough and pull up for those jumpers when, when he does, you know, get a step on a guy and then he pulls up for a mid-range jumper. I mean, that is... um that that's the reason why there's those Andrew Wiggins comparisons, which I don't yeah. think are true. I mean, I've, I've wrote about it before. I mean, th- there's the strength and the ball handling are both way past what Wiggins was when, oh, dra- was when he drafted and still past what he is now. And they're probably Wiggins' two biggest flaws. So, I don't know. It's 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 hard with Edwards. You, like you said, you don't know what way he's going to go if he just expects to be a really good player and a top draft pick, then he's probably going to flop and just be a a volume scorer who, who doesn't really impact winning. But if, if he puts it together, he, he's going to clearly be the best player in the draft, for my in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I, I, I've, I've been guilty of making the Andrew Wiggins comp, but it's not so much as... Like it's a the mentality. This, yeah, it's, it's all about his mental makeup, where yeah. he just doesn't look interested on defense, offense. He just kind of spaces out if he doesn't have the ball, despite being an excellent cutter and, you know, being able to elevate at the rim. He just kind of rarely does it unless he has, like, a clear lane. So that's where I make more – or where he reminds me of Wiggins in that sense, and I get a little PTSD with the Timberwolves. (laughs) Um, But, again, if he he gets into one of these established roles where he's – not the guy, um, you know, but as opposed to what he's been his entire life, I, I think that'll be really good for him. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so the second guy we both had on our list was Tyrese Maxey. Uh, he probably uh, he probably could have been on the point guard list. It depends, I guess, where you see him. I see him more as a, a combo guard, you know, secondary playmaker on, on, on both, and a, a, really, uh, a really good player on both ends of the floor. I think that's, what people, you know, overlook a little bit with him just because he, he's six foot three, you know, 190, 200 pounds, but, but he's a, he's a great defender. He, he really, you know, doesn't get a lot of stocks or, or a huge defensive playmaker and kind of catch the eye, but he really mirrors guys well. He makes really good rotations. He, he's even flashed, you know, the occasional like verticality jump at the rim to, to get in guys' face. Um, I just think he's he's the kind of guy who just doesn't make a lot of mistakes defensively, and constantly you know head on a swivel, does the right things, never never zones off when he's off the ball. Uh, I just think that's a that's a really valuable player at the, at the one or the two, and then offensively, I I think I don't think his handle's quite good enough to be a full time ball handler, but. He's still ranked in the 86th percentile as a pick-and-roll ball handler, 79th percentile when you include passes. His best strength for me is just getting to the rim and, and hitting those those tough contested floaters. He can finish it, you know, contort around around the bigs at the rim as well. But just a, just a really good slasher in my opinion. Uh, he's shooting, I think he shot 29% at Kentucky, but I think he's a better shooter than that. I think he'll end up, you know, around that, you know, 33 to 36 range in the NBA has the ability to to shoot in a, in a variety of different ways. I think he'll be able to, you know, be a decent pull-up shooter, pretty good spot-up guy, and then someone who can really attack a, a, a tilted defense on on offense and, and really 
get out and transition with that speed and that and then that quick first step as well. Yeah, and just to be clear before people start freaking out or Timbulls fans start scratching their heads, uh, we, we agreed that Devin Vassell was more of a small yeah. forward, that we yeah. kind of see him more in that role, so that's why he's not included or else we'd be talking about him <laughs> yeah. right now. So just before people get angry on Twitter. Um, yeah, I, I agree with almost everything you said on Maxi. Um, I, I love his quickness. I, I worry about his size a little defensively. Um, and his instincts are great. He, when he's off ball, he, at least early in the season, he got caught napping a little bit, but I, he, we saw massive improvements and I think playing along it alongside, uh, Ashton Hagen's really helped his defensive growth as well. Um, I, I like him projecting defensively going forward, at least in the backcourt, but I wouldn't be surprised if kind of teams with bigger wings and forwards, um, who are capable ball handlers look to uh, kind of just take advantage of that size a little bit. Um, but I, he, he, despite his size, he's also an excellent rebounder. Um, and he gets off the ground real quick, and it helps just start the break immediately. And I, I do like that. I, I think that he'll be more of that combo guard and less of an off-ball guard. Um, since Ashton Hagens was at Kentucky, he did almost all of the playmaking or primary ball handling. And I think even though Maxi didn't have that really, or wasn't really able to show that off, um, I think he does have more of that in his game that he'll be able to show in the NBA. Um, and it feels like every year uh, Kentucky prospects have this awesome skill that they're not allowed to show. Mm-hmm. And then they get to the NBA and everyone's like, where did this come from? Um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to be Kyrie Irving out there, but I, I think that he'll be a pretty competent playmaker. Yeah, and I think to the point you said before, the, the, the concern with me is that he's going to need to be, if he's going to have to be, you know, that, that combo guard and a guy who can play in two-point guard or, or two-guard, small-guard lineups, he's going to have to be... Good enough defensively to guard guys who are six foot five, six foot six, and as much as I really liked his his defensive intensity and his technique, especially you know the way he dips his shoulder around screens and stuff, it's it's still inherently just hard to guard guys who are three inches taller than you and have you know right. twenty thirty pounds on you. So that that's the that's the issue, I guess. If he if he is you know that that better point guard, which I agree, I think he definitely. Uh, got more facilitating and ball handling chops than than he showed at Kentucky. Maybe he can he can be a full time point guard who can play with another you know like a like a jumbo initiator. That's probably his ideal role. Maybe you know like a point guard who can play with a guy like I don't know like Jason Tatum or um, like Luca, someone who can who takes right. the pressure off him as a ball handler, but still allows him to guard ones. That that's probably the ideal situation for him, but. I I don't see him ever being being a bad player. I think he'll definitely stick in no. the lead, but how how good he is probably depends on what he can do defensively and how much that that defense translate from from the collegiate level. Yeah, and and something that kind of calms my concerns about his you know defensive inefficiencies because of his size um, is kind of made up by his really high work rate on that end, um, where I just. And he'll just be so active that he's just going to be an absolute nuisance to deal with. And 
we we see teams um, where where they they switch on the post entry pass while the ball's in the air, and I, I and I think he has the quickness and awareness to be able to do that pretty easily. Um, and I could just that ability to switch, recognize the switch, um, kind of disrupt the ball handler, and then get back to his man without you know really being that defensive liability. I, I think he'll be more than capable of doing. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean. Obviously, I didn't know if you, you know, because a lot of guys are, are, I guess, pretty split on Maxi. You know, you see some mock drafts and stuff where he's going in the in the late teens or, you know, outside the lottery. I mean, I've got him pretty comfortably, you know, in my top 8 to 12, I think. Like, obviously, it's pretty fluid. Yeah, my, yeah my I got board. a 13. Yeah, but I, I think he's definitely a lottery pick. And I think if you're Minnesota, they look like they're going to get pick 17, I think, now that that Brooklyn have actually gone out and, and won some games with that, that G League squad. Um, if, if he slips to 16, he's at 17, he's an absolute no-brainer. Even with the, the issues I think that he, fa- he faces on the Wolves with fit. But um, yeah, he's, if he slipped that far, he's a no-brainer. We'll get into it later here. We think are our, our best fits for Minnesota. But um, this is where we kind of start to, to disagree on, on order a little bit. But We'll go with your third guy first, and we'll discuss him, and then I'll say where he is on my list, and we'll just go from there. Okay, so my, my third favorite shooting guard is Josh Green. I have him 14th overall in my draft guide. Um, I'm, he, he's just an NBA-ready wing. Um, I, I think from day one, he'll be able to make an impact in a rotation. I love his athleticism. Um, I think he's an incredible defender, and... I, I think he he'll be a quality spot up spot up shooter, um, and I get the concerns with him finishing at the rim. It's really bad, um, despite being able to get there pretty much whenever he wants to. He's a really good driver. He just doesn't have the touch to finish there yet. Um, but I when he ran in transition, he was in the seventy ninth percentile in scoring. He was in the seventy eighth percentile in spot up scoring. And he was in the 85th percentile when shooting off the catch, um, and 94th percentile when he was unguarded shooting off the catch. So, and he's never going to be this guy that's out there creating his own shot, but he is going to be wreaking havoc on defense. He will be knocking down open shots when his t- point guard drives and kicks or passes out of the pick and roll. Um, and he's, you know, he's not going to do a lot that wows you or you're like, oh my God, this dude is incredible. But he's going to do a lot of little things that contribute to winning basketball and is just going to be one of those guys that's in the league for a long time playing really good defense and knocking down the shots he's supposed to make. Yeah, I have you know pretty much the exact same things down here. And I mean, he's pretty much the, the, the quintessential 3 and D prospect. I know 3 and D is a very watered down term, but Josh Green really just fits a guy who's going to knock down threes and who's going to be your best perimeter defender on any given night. I mean, the way he's he's hip flips and the way he he moves his hips and, and moves his feet in in one on one defense or, or pick no, and roll defense, awesome. yeah, it's it's unreal. I mean, he he's probably yeah, he's probably got the quickest hip flips I've seen in the draft this you know this season. He's like you said he's a good catch and shoot shooter. He's not going to create off the dribble. He's not going to 
slash to the ring, really. He's, he's just more of a spot-up guy. He'll get out and transition. He's, he's pretty athletic. I mean, he, he can definitely play above the rim. He, he can leap. Yeah, so, you know, that, that kind of adds another string to his bow, at least. He'll, he'll be able to get out and transition or, or score off cuts. You know, if he needs to become a better cutter, I think, but that's definitely an avenue to, to scoring that he'll have at the next level once he improves his off-ball movement a little bit. But I just think... Even even in a with a kind of limited skill set, that's a, a really valuable player in today's NBA, and that's the kind of guy who who like you said just stays in the lead for a long time, and that teams end up giving you know ten twelve million dollars a year because they, they really want that that fifth starter or that fourth starter who can who can guard the the best player on the other team, the best wing, and then knock down threes, score ten twelve fifteen points a night. Like that's valuable. That's that's what he's going to be, and I think he might even be that from from day one. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, to go back on your cutting point, um, I and he's he was in the ninth percentile, so and he wasn't good. But I think a lot of that um, was kind of due to Arizona Arizona's tendency to play two bigs and not really spread out the floor and have it get congested in there. I, his at rim finishing is bad. I mean, he's in the eighth percentile yeah. when finishing at the rim. So I mean, that that obviously needs to improve. There are touch issues, but I mean, it, it's weird because when he his finishing when he drives as compared to when he runs in transition and avoids, you know, the the last defender is it's night and day because I mean, he's shown touch and the ability to euro around a guy in transition, but when he gets in the half court and he's just his his touch just goes out the window. So I'm I'm hoping at least that uh in, in the NBA with more spacing, I know it's kind of a played out term that oh this guy will succeed more with more NBA spacing. But I, I think he'll be more a more effective cutter, um and hoping that his at room finishing kinda of goes up with uh you know l- less big bodies swiping at him. Yeah, and for reference as well, he's number five on my list, so I think yeah. he's probably safer than a couple of guys that I have in front of him. But he, you know, if, for upside purposes, I think you pretty much know what you're going to get from Green. I mean, if he, if he develops some sort of off the dribble, you know, toward the rim or, or off the dribble shooting chops, then, then he becomes a really good player. But he's just so bad at it right now you know, relative to, to the rest of the guys in this class that I don't think he'll ever be, you know, above average in that area. He, he's probably going to become better than than the ninth percentile as an off-the-dribble shooter. I mean, he shot 21.2% off the dribble this season. So that probably tells you about all you need to know for, from his effectiveness there. But right now, like we said, he, he's really just a spot-up guy, uh, a hound defensively and... That's that's about what you're going to get from him, and that's still pretty damn valuable. Yeah, and I so I I think one of the reasons why why he struggles when he shoots off the dribble is I and mean, he kind of has this tendency to cave his knees in yeah. when he loads up for a shot, and when, when he's there, there's some great clips where he's spotting up in the corner, um, and you just kind of see his knees buckle before he elevates, and when when he's spotting up, this doesn't really affect him. Um, I mean, his form is still kind of you know it's fluid and connected, but it, it really li- limits his ability to elevate when he's, you know, try- trying to do that off the dribble with a guy in his face. So, I mean, that, that'll be a big kind of 
area for, of improvement for him, but just the way his game is, um, I, I the, the only thing I think he really needs to focus on right now is his at rim finishing because and if he's cutting or you know missing layups consistently, coaches are going to get real annoyed with that, and teammates are going to get real annoyed with that, and just kind of stop feeding him, and he'll start losing play time. Um, but you know, it, if I'm hoping he can learn how to make a contested layup, um, I, I feel like once he does that, his offensive impact will will skyrocket. Yeah, because it's 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 fine and good to be that 3 and D guy, but, but at some point you do have to have some sort of, you know, auxiliary skills and be able to, to finish at the rim or just, you know, even in, in sporadically you need to be able to finish at the rim. That's why I think it's pretty good that he can get out and transition and be really absolutely really fast and athletic finisher at, at the rim. But like you said, in the half court, it's, it's pretty dire and, and teams... Like, teams need cutters. You can't just spot up at the three-point line all game. He's going to have to learn how to cut and how to uh, get the defender to, to, I guess, pay more attention to him rather than just only being a spot-up corner, a spot-up shooter. Especially, you know, it seems to me at the moment that, that it's really mainly from the corners. I mean, he can hit from everywhere, but he's really that guy that you see sitting in the corner, I guess, a PJ Tucker kind of, you know, corner shooter where when he's in them corners, it's pretty much you know, money, but outside of that, that you might be a little bit more inclined to to leave him. So that's another, I guess, reason why he needs to add that that secondary skill, which is, like you said, he's at rim finishing. Yeah, and I, I, I get just like a lot of like Wesley Matthews vibes from him where he, he's just going to be, you know, th- this two guard on a lot of really successful contending teams. And you know, he he may bounce through a couple of them, but you'll always be like, "Oh God, Josh Green is on deep in the playoffs again." Yeah, and you know, he's not going to be dropping twenty five points or anything, but it's like, "Oh God, there's Green with another steal and transition dunk." Oh, he contested another three and got out in transition, and oh, he's up, he's up to six, nine, ten points here quickly, and kind of being an absolute nuisance yeah. on the perimeter. And they're they're just players that every team loves to have, and they're players that don't uh, don't end up out of the NBA very often. I mean, how long's Wesley Matthews been around? And and right now he's on arguably the best team in the league, and, and still a starting two guard. And I think that's a really good comparison. Not even just in terms of play style, but like you said, just the way they they impact the team and the kind of player who just seems to stick around. Yeah. So I I. If he can develop any off the dribble scoring, I'm, that'll be awesome. But I, in my mind, I think just his incredible perimeter defense and his reliable spot of shooting is, I'm, if he falls past the, I'm, I have him at 14, so I have him right at the end of the lottery. But if he falls into the late first, um, where I've seen some people having him drop even into like, almost the second round. Um, I, I think that'd be an absolute steal. Yeah, I, I have him, I think, early 20s, so maybe like 20, sure. 21, yeah. which, you know, the more I think about it, the more I kind of think maybe that's a bit low just because he's a pretty safe bet. But, and I guess after, once you've, once you've you know, you're out of the lottery, safe bets become better picks, you know, rather than, than 
home run swings. I mean, everyone wants to make the home run swing, but sometimes if you're picking a 20, you, you'll take a 3 and D guy who's going to play 25 minutes a night for the rest of his career rather than, right, a, guy, rather than a guy who'll be out the league in three years. For sure. And like when you think of like a team like OKC at that spot, you know, they, they've got a lot of athletic wings, but none of them can really shoot. Um, so I'm just kind of ha- throwing him in that backcourt along alongside uh, Shea, and I, I, I think that'd be a lot of fun, and it provides some outside shooting that they don't necessarily have with guys like Hamadou Diallo or uh, Lou Dort, even though Lou Dort's been a lot of fun to watch here recently. Yeah. Um, so so my next guy isn't on your list. Um, uh, that's Leandro Balmaro. He, he played for Barcelona's B team or and Barcelona's top team over in Spain. He's Argentinian. I'm not even sure if if he's correctly placed here as a shooting guard because he's probably more of like a like a point forward, maybe like small forward who who handles the ball as a secondary creator. I mean, he's six foot seven, one eighty five, six foot eight wingspan. He's he's a really fun passer, really good point of attack defender. I mean, that's the first thing that stands out for me is that he's just a, a hellhound on on defense. I mean. He's one of those guys that just has that non-stop intensity hustle. I mean, it's almost the theme with these first three guys that they're all yeah. being, I mean, with Maxi Green and Balmaro, that they're all just um, really fun defenders to watch and, and on-ball defenders. Balmaro, he constantly blows up handoffs. I mean, the way he, he can stick with his man and then get it, get a hand in to, to disrupt the handoff play is probably one of the most unique and kind of top-tier unique talents in in this draft, I think. Um, really good as a pick-and-roll defender. Lateral kick quickness is unreal. His hands are pretty sharp as well. I mean, he's just he just wants the ball back, and, and you can you can tell that. I think he might be a little bit foul-prone early in his NBA career just because he's so, uh, you know, intense with his defense, and he's really trying to push up on guys, and he, he gets a bit handsy sometimes, which... They, they definitely call more tiki-tack fouls in the NBA than they do in the Euro League or in, or in the second division. But I think he'll he'll probably enter the NBA as at least a neutral defender, and I think he has the potential to be well above average. I mean, offensively, the concerns are his shooting. I mean, he shot 20, 29.3% on 6.6 attempts per 36. He His form isn't broken by any means but he just doesn't seem like a guy who really you know has that shooting touch at the moment and then I think mainly for me that the, the biggest concern is his burst and his vertical athleticism I mean in Barcelona's B team he still goes to the rim fairly well but but the competition level is so much different to, to what he's going to face in the NBA and he, he's definitely not an above the rim guy despite being six foot seven and he doesn't have the handle or the or the shot creation to kind of break guys down. I think he's he's more going to have to rely on on pick and rolls and, and handoff plays to get him heading downhill where he can get, you know bust out his passing chops. I think he's a really good passer. I think to that it's a strange he's a strange kind of blend of talents, I guess, because he's this, this defensive guy who who you want to have the ball in his hands because he can pass, but he he can't really score that well you know and he's not going to shoot very well he's not going to get to the rim but he can really create a lot with with his passes he's got 
that that Euro that you know Euro lead flair where he he sees a lot of passes that are, that other guys don't, and um you know some some of them passes where he, you know he's putting spin on the pass like full court kind of transition bounce passes that are spinning into a guy's hands. I mean that's that's special stuff, but it's I don't know I, I'm high on Balmaro. I just think if he can put together some semblance of, of scoring ability. He's going to be a super fun player, but I see the concerns with him, and he's just a guy I guess I'm swinging for upside on. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Yeah. So I not. I, I like Bomaro. I have him 33 overall, six shooting guard. Um. And I'm, what you just finished there was, I think, one of the best points is great upside. Um, I, I love his ceiling, um, but I, I see his floor as, one, you know, three years from now, we're like, who's, oh, yeah, that European guy that never really made it over. Yeah. Um, so and I, I love his work rate on both ends of the floor. Um, and on defense, he's an absolute hound. And like you said, we, we apparently have a type here with our top five. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and even on offense, when he doesn't have the ball, he moves really well. He relocates on the perimeter. He's a good cutter. Um, he's just always working at a really high level. And, you know, th- those guys have a tendency to make it. Um, with that said, I think a lot of his current offense is – potential base. Um, and I, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with his shooting form. He's just one of those guys that's not making shots right now. Um, he's super streaky, but I think the foundation of his form is there. He just needs to kind of work on, you know, his touch, which is a lot easier said than done. But if, if he can develop into like even the low 30% for outside shooting, um, that, that would be massive. Um, I love his passing potential. Because he has the creativity, he has the vision, he has the, the courage to try these absurd passes that he has no business making. <laughs> and a lot of the times they lead to incredible plays that are draw dropping. And other times it's just a lot of turnovers. So yeah. I mean, he averaged 3.7 turnovers per 36 compared to 5.3 assists. So that doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. But it's, it's also right. a, a point to... Make that he's like you said he's trying some absolutely insane passes like the vision right, that he has the to even leaks. yeah and the vision that he has to even see those passes you know is definitely different absolutely. to a lot of guys his age absolutely and I I just you know I I I, I get mad about or irritated with bad sloppy turnovers you know and I feel like not all of his are that where he's just throwing the ball out of bounds or something. It, it's where he, he sees a cutter or he sees a guy running in transition and tries to thread a needle. Um, so and his decision-making you know, needs to get tightened up a little bit. But overall, I, I think his passing potential is really high, especially in the shooting guard class. Um, I don't love his length. I mean, 
you said you said uh, just a plus one on his wingspan. Um, it isn't great with his you know mediocre athleticism. I mean, the the amount of times you know I've watched probably six or seven games of his, and the amount of times he like got, and a lane open up for him, and he all and he almost hit the front of the rim on a dunk. Like that's pretty concerning <laughs> for a guy who's six foot seven. Right. Yeah. So I, you you'd hope that he'd be able to to get over that front rim, um, but and ju- just the fact that he hasn't experienced, and he's really not gotten many first team minutes with Barcelona. Yeah. I, I I know Barcelona and like Real are a couple of the hardest teams to break into, especially for guys who you know aren't from Spain. Um, but that that that's one of just my only kind of big concerns is that. He's showing out against lower level competition, um, and it will take a while, or it might not just translate to higher level NBA level competition. But I, I do love his creativity. I love his energy, his work rate, his desire to be good. Um, so I, I definitely think there are a lot of really promising signs with him and. Um, and it, it, he should go right around the turn in my eyes, either late first, or early second, um, and ideally to a situation that really doesn't expect him to play much um, right away in his career and can kind of get him integrated into their team and really work on developing and fine-tuning some of his skills. Yeah, I, I could see him ending up as a as a like a lottery talent like a you know or a late a late lottery value pick in the you know in five years but i'd be yeah i wouldn't want to draft him in the anywhere you know below 20 in the in this draft just because i think he probably needs a year or two in the g league or at least a year or two you know playing like low bench minutes and, and training with the first team to to really grow up i guess because not that he, he's immature, that sounds like has as many as immature, but more that, like you said, he didn't get many minutes in Barcelona's big team. He right. was the star for their B team, but that is just a, a world away in terms of competition level. Um, I think he'd, he'd really be better for it in the long run if he could go to a, to a G League team, you know, get drafted and stay in the G League for for a year, maybe, you know, 18 months and... And really learn how how to play basketball at that at, you know level close to the NBA, and then I think um, in the perfect world he could end up being being a lottery talent. But there's definitely, like you said, there's there's a lot of bust potential with him. There's a lot of uh, back in Europe in five years potential as well. Yeah, and I, I've seen some people have him you know as high as like ten, which I, personally I think is absurdly high given you know, the gap between his ceiling and floor in my eyes. But, you know, and if five years from now we're looking back on it, it's like, how how did this guy, you know, fall to the Warriors at 31 or whatever their pick is, you know? And it's like, then they have this stud shooting guard again that they get picked up in the second round because no one was willing to take him. So I, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. So I, I, I can, I've seen a lot of people kind of have him, floating higher towards like the, the mid to early 20s which I don't fault just my tendency to kind of weigh that difference between the the ceiling and the floor is has just kind of lowered him a little for me yeah yeah I agree I think he wouldn't be the first you know European guy he wouldn't even be the first Argentinian guy who who 
No, a first Argentinian shooting guard who we've seen, you know, drop drop low and end up a really good player, you know, speaking right. of, of Manny Ginobili, but it's that's a pretty high bar. I mean, that, that doesn't come around every day, but there's definitely yeah, there's definitely room for him to be a really good player. Um, so our fourth shooting guard we both agreed on as well. So if you wanna you wanna go first and then we'll, we'll go from there. Um, yeah, sure. And I, I know you had loved this guy for a while, and it, it took me a little longer to uh, to get on the hype train. Um, but Desmond Bain, I mean, this dude's just good. He he knows how okay. to play basketball, I and mean, it's it's simple. But that I mean, he's just a ball player. Um, I he's one of, if not the best shooters in this draft, depending on who you talk to. I mean, he's in the ninety first percentile in spotting up, seventy sixth percentile in running the pick and roll, ninety seventh percentile in isolation. Uh, 77th shooting off the catch, 92nd shooting off the dribble, 96th percentile when shooting from three. Um, it's just really impressive, and he's just a really mature, well-rounded player. He moves well off the ball. He can score with the ball in his hands, and he, he's he's a good decision maker. He's not an elite playmaker, um, but, but he can find the open guy. He can set guys up. Um, he doesn't have great length. Um, and, you know, his, his overall ball handling is a little simplistic where I don't think he'll be, you know, a go-to on-ball scorer, but he can be that secondary guy who can, you know, make something out of nothing late in the shot clock, or you can run through a series of screens, um, for a three where he can, you know, catch pump fake, you know, take the switching defender off the dribble and then dump it to the rolling big man, you know, plays like that. I don't think are out of the question in his career and I think we'll actually see quite a bit of and I, I think he has the potential to you know may, maybe not be in you know top two or three guy on a contending team but you know at least high in the rotation if not in the starting lineup yeah I, I mean I completely agree like you said and, and like people who listen to the podcast would would know I'm really high on Desmond Bain I mean I probably I, I wrestled with him and Balmaro, you know. Yeah, I was surprised he was fourth for you. Yeah, I was expecting two. <laughs> I think um I think it's more just that that if Balmaro hits his ninetieth percentile outcome, then he he's probably better than Bain. But sure. But right now, Bain, like you said, he's just a good player. I mean, uh, I'm one of the guys you would speak to who who think he's the best shooter in the draft, especially off the dribble. I mean. He's got sure. he's got deep range. He's got, and uh, he's not really you know like an, an Anthony Edwards shot creator, but he definitely has enough wiggle to and enough you know shake to kind of get his shot off in, in pretty much any situation. He's he's got a weird kind of funky looking looking jumper, but it goes yeah. in, and it, he's very consistent with it every time he shoots it. I mean, he's he the the downside I guess with him is I don't think he'll he'll ever be able to get to the rim very well. Or finish it. I think he's not not a bad finisher at the rim, but he doesn't have a, a much burst. And like you said, that negative wingspan is is pretty rare. You know, I think it's six foot four his wingspan, and he he's six foot five, six foot six. So it's it's strange to have a, a wingspan. You know, that that's in the negatives, but he doesn't. It doesn't really matter when he he's just an awesome player on the perimeter. He the the point you made, I think that that I really like is that he just he's not. A playmaker per se, but he just does the right things. You know, he he never the 
he never holds the ball longer than he has to. He yeah. he, you know, if he comes around a pick and roll and the the corner defender comes in to to tag him, he will kick it to the corner straight away. He will drop it off to the big man. He'll you know throw the occasional lob to the big. He's just a, a really smart player and a guy who a guy who you can see that you know that the his brain's ticking over all the time and that he he knows what's going to happen on a basketball court. He's he's obviously twenty two years old, so he's he's played at college for longer than a lot of these guys, but he's just someone who I expect to be very good. And like you said, if if he hits his, you know, 90th to 100th percentile outcome, he um, he's a really good player and a, and a borderline, you know, third option probably. He, he's just a, just a fun dude, a, an amazing shooter, and, and that's, it. that's so helpful right now. And then I think, well, I don't know if you mentioned it as well, but I just think it, a really solid defender. Same with same kind of deal with yeah. with his passing. He's that he doesn't really do a lot wrong. He doesn't try too much. He's not going to wow you on defense, but he's definitely going to be a part. He can be a part of a good defensive team, you know, without without issue. I think he's just a just a really solid player all around, and then a great shooter. Yes, yeah, so, and I don't think that he has like the athleticism or quick twitch stuff that like Josh Green does on defense. No, but no he, way. He has a he has that maturity. He knows where to be. His instincts are really good, um, and you know that that that's what you get from twenty two year old guys. So and I I think his room for growth is you know not a ton, and they'll probably yeah. drop him on a lot of the teams' draft boards. But he he's just another one of these you know guys who's NBA ready. And ready to contribute to winning basketball, so and he's going to fall, you know, farther than he probably should because of you know hit his lower ceiling or just the fact that he's probably closer to his ceiling yeah. than a lot of these guys. Um, but you know, one of these playoff teams is going to pick him up, and he'll he'll be a, a pretty big factor in their rotation. I think almost from get go. Yeah, he, he strikes me as one of those guys who everyone's going to be like, oh, you know, why didn't my team pick Desmond Bain? Like, why did he fall to, to 28 when he's yeah, yeah playing for Boston or playing for Milwaukee and he's getting 15, 20 minutes a game and hitting 43% of his threes? Uh, and the reason, he, like you said, is because he might not ever get any better than that, but he's immediately going to be a value player and it's gonna suck for me to watch him on a different team that's not the Timberwolves <laughs> next year. I mean, I've, I've I've advocated strongly for him at thirty three, but I think the I think he probably gets picked before that, maybe just before. I mean, like knowing, you know, Minnesota, they'll like trade thirty three, and you know, the team will pick him at or they'll go at thirty two. Um, but yeah, he's gonna be one of them guys. I mean, put him on a playoff team next year, and he's gonna be one of the best rookies in the in the league, I think, just just in terms of NBA readiness and the ability to to really fit into the modern NBA with with his shooting and all round solid play. Yeah. So overall, where do you have him? Because I, I have him at twenty two overall. Um, I have him around the same. I don't have my okay. board up. I think yeah, like 23, 24. I mean, it's just okay. it's just the ceiling that that does it for me. I mean, I right. think. I think there's a lot of guys who might not hit their ceiling in this class and that'll probably push him up to, to lottery value in the long run. But for sure, you've got to, you know, you've got to, I guess, when you're splitting hairs between Bain and 
you know, Josh Green, you, you probably got to give the, the edge to Green just because he has, he's younger. Three, four years. Yeah, and he, yeah. Has the, and he has the, the potential, the, you know, the, the, the height, the wingspan, the athleticism, all that, you know, if he can blend, blend all that together and kind of hit, you know, high-end outcome, he's probably going to be better than Bain. But, but Bain's median is way better than a lot of guys in this class. Oh, for sure. And his floor is maybe one of the highest in this draft. Yeah. Um, and and, and he, he's, he's just going to produce or help contribute to winning basketball right away. So I'm, if he falls out of the first, I'd be pretty surprised. Um, but, you know, you, you never know with some of these teams. And I, I feel like next year, after, you know, the first month, a lot of, you know, casual fans who have never heard of him because he went to TCU and TCU is not a big basketball powerhouse are going to be just like, who in the world is Desmond Bain and where did he come from? Yeah. And like, it's, um, hopefully, like I hope for, for his sake that, that teams are really starting to click on that, that high, high level shooters are just valuable players. I mean, yeah. you've got, uh, like Tyler Hero from last year. I know he, uh, I'm not, you know, enamored with Tyler Hero as a potential star, like a lot of people are. But like, he was a great shooter in college. I mean, Duncan Robinson was yep. uh, undrafted. Like guys like that who can just really fill it up from from behind the arc. I think hopefully teams are, are seeing them go undrafted or or late in the second round and then become really good. Hopefully that that kind of pushes their value up a little bit. You know, regardless of their age or their or their potential ceiling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll get into my... Oh, so my fifth guy was Green. I mean, we already spoke about that. Um, who's your fifth guy? So your fifth guy is someone I didn't have, but but a guy we have talked about in this podcast a little bit. So okay, you get into him. Yeah, so I, I, I've got Cassius Stanley as my you know fifth favorite shooting guard, uh, 28th overall. Um, I've been a huge fan of this kid from the start of the season. Um, I just, um, you know, whereas Bain is closer to his ceiling, I think Stanley is closer to his floor right now and yeah. has a lot of room to grow. Uh, and this kid is a freak athlete. And Ridiculous. He broke, Ridiculous. He broke Zion's vertical record at Duke. Um, granted, it's a little less impressive because he's 100 pounds lighter. <laughs> um, but I, th- this dude has a nearly a 45-inch vertical um, and just plays with a lot of energy on both ends of the floor. You know, I, I get a lot of Gerald Green, Gerald Henderson vibes from him. Um, active defender. He's a good shooter, great rebounder. Um, and when he shot off the catch, he was in the 93rd percentile. Um, and I believe all of his three-pointers were assisted on. Um, that's so cra- that's did, a crazy stat. Yeah. And, and he did little to no shot creation on his own, which is, you know, not, not ideal for your shooting guard. Um, but I'm not super worried about it because, you know, just and Trey Jones for that team did almost all of the ball handling. And in high school, Stanley showed off that he was capable of kind of, of being able to create his own shot at times. So I, I think there's a little more to his offensive game than just standing in the corner and shooting or standing on the, on the wing and shooting. Um, but even if that's all it is, I mean, he's in the 72nd percentile um, in spot-up scoring. 
I mean, he's a very good cutter, 83rd percentile, 94th percentile when running off screens, 88th percentile running in transition because he's just going to jump over whoever's <laughs> in his way. Um, so I, I definitely get the concerns of people, um, you know, recognizing that he's in the 18th percentile when shooting off the dribble. So that really wasn't part of his game. But I think it was more because of the role he was asked to play and less because he's just entirely incapable of doing it. Um, but I, he, he's not going to be a playmaker or anything, but as a potential 3 and D guy late in the first, early second, um, I, I, I think that he has a, just a ton of potential and he's just another one of these guys who's who I'm willing to bet on their work rate and their desire to work and play their role um, will end up kind of succeeding in the long run. Yeah, I, I think there's 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 value behind betting on a guy who has the potential to be a, a good shooter, a good defender, and a ridiculous athlete. I mean, I guess that's more, it's kind of like the Josh Green, you know, scenario, you know, the the Walmart version. Um, but. He, he's just a crazy athlete. He he really uses his athleticism as well. I mean, there's a lot of great athletes who kind of, you don't even see them, you know, use that, that crazy vertical, that speed down the floor. But Stanley really, you know, seems to enjoy getting out in transition, jumping over guys, and yeah. jumping through guys. So I, I'm pretty high on Stanley as well. I mean, he's a sixth or seventh on mine along with uh, my sleeper, who we'll get to in a second. But... He, he's just, I think the concern with me, I guess, is like, there's probably a world where he never is good enough at one thing to stick. I mean, he's going to have to end up a, at least a 36, 37% three-point shooter, you know, or a, a, an above average defender to, to really stick. And then maybe he, maybe he hits on both of those things and obviously is, is a great athlete. And then he will be, a very good, you know, rotation player, but I think there's definitely a concern for me that he doesn't hit on any of those things, and he's kind of uh, a mediocre three-point shooter, an okay defender, and a crazy athlete, and I mean, that might not be enough to keep him around. Yeah, and I, I definitely get that. Um, I, I, I think he's closer to his floor right now than his ceiling, yeah. and, you know, and it just sometimes those guys just don't end up growing like you hope they will um so i it's kind of you know the the inverse of bane where it's you know bane's kind of a in my mind a pretty sure thing and stanley is you know believing in your development system believing in having the time to kind of have him sit on the bench and grow and really you know develop those those specific skills that you think he needs that will eventually help him contribute to the rotation. But just like the foundation of his athleticism and shooting and work rate, um, you know, I just for me, I, I would be hard-pressed to let that slip past, you know, the, the early second round. Yeah, and, and I think I think that, that some some team will definitely take a swing on him in the, in the early second. I mean, I hope so. yeah. I mean, Minnesota at thirty-three, I think, would actually be a, good, a pretty good fit for him. But I'd also like to see him go late first, like we said with Bain. Like a team like Toronto, who has you know an amazing track record of developing players, oh, that yeah. that would be a really good fit for him, especially if Van Fleet 
is on the way out this summer. So it's yeah, I think I think he needs the right development system. I think if you stick him on a team where they're they're not going to give him the right reps and, and the right training, then maybe he, he could be out of the league in five years. But I also think that he's definitely got enough potential to be a really good rotation player that you, you probably take him in the late first, early second, and just give it your best shot with him. Yeah, and I mean, worst case scenario, you have an easy entrant for the dunk contest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might get Glenn Robinson the third. <laughs> <laughs> um, so who? I'll go my sleeper first because your sleeper is one that I didn't, I haven't looked into at all, and uh, sure. and I'm um, I'm excited to get your point of view on it and, and kind of ask you a few questions about him. But but yeah, my sleeper is Emmanuel Quickly from from Kentucky, Tyrese Maxey's teammate. Um, for everyone, I guess there's one of those. Why doesn't anyone seem to have any interest in this guy from from each class? And that's the guy. The quickly's that guy for me. I mean, I don't think he'll be a star by any means, but but I think he's has a legitimate role player, you know, potential. And maybe I mean the spotty defenses where where he flashes, you know, good things, but but played by inconsistent effort. Um, the fact that he's He's probably his size, you know. He's really, he's really not big enough to be a two guard. Like he's six foot three, one eighty five pounds. Um, he's not good enough to be. He, he's not big enough to be a true two guard. And then he doesn't have any of the handle or the vision to be a true point guard. But his shooting touch from the mid range, from three in the floater, you know, floater area is something that I just think all teams need in, in this, you know, generation. Um, shot 42.8% on 5.3 triples per 36. Um, scorching 92.3% from the line on 5.7 attempts per 36. 84th percentile as a spot-up shooter. 99th percentile on shots off the dribble, albeit, you know, only just over one a game. But... 87, uh, 81st percentile on runners where I think he has one of the smoothest floater games in the, in college along with his, probably with, along with, with Maxi. Um, I know smallish, you know, off guard shooters don't always work out, but I think the league is trending in a direction where, where quickly, you know, is, is more of a, a guy who, who can pan out rather than a guy who doesn't. Yeah. I, 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 I like quickly. He he rose up a ton uh, for me as the season went on. I I have him at fifty one overall. Um, and he, he he's one of those guys where and you, you touched on his shooting. I mean, he he proved that he's one of the best shooters in the country, and he's one of those guys that knows his role and won't really try to play outside of it. You know, that, that doesn't mean that he's going to slack or, you know, barely do anything else or not work. He's got an incredible work rate. Um, but he knows that, you know, he's on the floor to shoot. So he's going to shoot when he has an opening. Um, and he's not going to try and, you know, back the ball out and, you know, go isolation and run the offense and play make for others because that's not his game. Um, I, I, I like that. He, he has like that he has that maturity that a lot of guys don't have um, and that that alone could help or make, make it really easy for a coach to slide him into his rotation yeah I, I completely agree I mean yeah I just think he's not going to ever be 
even a, you know, a third or fourth option, but he just strikes me as a guy who can really help a team as a shooter. The concern with me, like I said, is the size and the position. I think he's point guard size with absolutely no point guard, you know, abilities. Yeah. He's definitely a shooting guard in a point guard body, but he's just such a great shooter. He's just a good scorer all around. I mean, he's got that one dribble pull up in the mid range. Like I said, the floater is really nice. I, I think. I could be wrong on this, but off the top of my head, I think he actually led Kentucky in scoring. So it's um, he's the kind of guy who can just get a bucket, and those guys, you know, uh, those guys who can get a bucket but also know their role, like you said, and don't force things. Are happy to kick it back to the to the point guard, to the star of the team, and and let them go to work and just spot up in a corner or, or come around a screen and hit a jumper. That that's super valuable for me and. and a guy who I have in the in my late thirties, early forties, so a bit higher than you, but I just think that, yeah. that it's a crapshoot in that second round, and he's one of the guys that I think has the most, one of the most reliable, you know, single talents in that in that you know thirty five to to sixty range, and that's that he's going to be a good shooter, and he all his indicators, even uh, you know the free throw shooting is ridiculous, like probably one of the best free throw shooters in the country, so. I just think quickly is a, a pretty not a surefire, but but a, a pretty good bet to be a good shooter. And even if he does nothing else, you can at least find you know ten fifteen minutes a night for those kind of guys. Yeah, and I, the the reason that I I have him you know towards the back of the second round is is mainly just because of his his size and that inability to really be a primary playmaker and just be you know I I, I think defenses will target the crap out of him yeah. um, when he is on defense. Just I mean, he, He's a small guy to, you know, no fault of his own. But with, with his shooting, and he, he has that, you know, that one elite skill that will get him into a rotation and, you know, help him, you know, get, get minutes. So I, I definitely see him ha- having a career and being in the NBA, you know, even though, you know, my 51 ranking may not suggest that. Um, but, but I, I definitely think that he has, you know, that one elite skill that, you know, always gets guys minutes. Yeah, exactly. That, that's kind of where I am with it as well. So I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he, if he can never crack a rotation just because there's a ton of good shooters in the, in the world, you know what I mean? Like right. you need it, you need to have some other talent, but I think I kind of put stock in his ability to just get a bucket off the dribble in, in spurts as well. I mean pump fake and, and hit a jumper a little bit in the in the Seth Curry kind of mold. I mean, I don't think he will be uh, as good as Seth as, as a shooter, but if he can shoot over 40%, Curry's not a great defender, not a great ball handler, probably better better than quickly, but, you know, kind of guy who can shoot threes, you know, hit a one dribble pull up, beat a guy occasionally off the dribble and hit a floater and, and you know, He's on a, in the rotation of a really good team, so maybe you know a, a beta version of him is kind of in a rotation of maybe a worse team or, or getting less minutes on a good team, but but still good enough, I think, to to be an NBA player. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, yeah. So who so who was your sleeper? I'm excited for this one. Okay, so last week I went with a sleeper of Grant Riller, who is now. 21 on my board, yeah. so and I'm like, really I see, much of a sleeper there. And I see guys <laughs> with him at like 14, 15, so like he's, he's <laughs> rocketing up from a sleeper. 
Yeah, so so I, I decided to go a heck of a lot deeper uh, this week. Uh, I, my, I currently have them at 58. Might bump them up a couple spots. But uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Sam Merrill, shooting guard from Utah State. Um, and when, when you want, if you want to talk about shooters, this guy is right at the top of the list. I and mean, he is an absolute flamethrower. Uh, 97th percentile overall scoring, uh, 91st running the pick and roll, 93rd spotting up, 84th on handoffs, 77th running off screens, 97th in isolation, uh, 93rd in all jump shots, 92nd shooting off the catch, 90th <laughs> shooting off the dribble, 90th from three. I, th- this dude is just a pure shooter and I, it, it's really impressive, and and he he may not he likely pr- won't get drafted. Um, I'd be kind of surprised if he does end up going in the second. Um, but I, I think when we talk about guys who fill a hole and have that elite skill, he's an elite shooter in my mind. And on top of that, I, I think his he's a much better defender than he will get credit for. Um, because he's he's not a great athlete, um, but at Utah State he frequently defended opponents' best player or second best player, and did a pretty good job. I mean, he's never going to be a defensive stalwart, but I don't think he's going to be a total negative on the defensive end. Um, I, I'm just a huge fan of this kid, and wherever you want him to shoot from, he will gladly shoot at a very high level. Yeah, well, the, yeah, he sounds he sounds like the kind of player that that I definitely enjoy because because I'm definitely a big fan of guys who can just you know light it up from behind the arc. So, just why? So, in your opinion, why doesn't he you know get more recognition, or why he is he you know in the late fifties to seventy you know in most draft boards that I see? So, I I, I mainly because he went to Utah State. Yeah, and you know. No, no one watches Utah State because they're you know it's Utah State, um, and you know, and he's just kind of this unassuming white kid who's not a great athlete, um, and he just kind of shoots. So I, I'm, get, I, I think I'm getting the Duncan Robinson vibes again. Yeah, I, I get a lot of Duncan Robinson vibes from him. I get a lot of Matt Thomas vibes from yeah. him. On you know, I'm hoping that I don't get a lot of Nick Stauskas vibes from him, <laughs> um, which you know I may end up happening, you know, but I also see him, you know, being one of these guys three, four, five years from now who's, you know, knocking down four threes a game in, you know, 14 minutes off the bench and you have, you're constantly looking up, Googling, Sam Merrill, why do I know that name? Where did he go to school? And then you're like, Utah State, no, I I (laughs) had no idea who he was. So I, I just, I find it hard to believe that he doesn't carve out a role on a team um, where, you know, the three-point shot is just so obvious, so in your face, and just being taken more and more every year. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like what we just discussed with, with Quickly, and it's, yeah. you know, if you can if you can hit shots at a high level in a, in a multiple, you know, in a variety of different ways, and you can do it consistently, there is a role for you somewhere in the NBA. I mean, they both of those guys might be guys that... The, bounce around off their first contract or, you know, like they, they end up, you know, coming into a team on a 10-day and then another 10-day and then they sign a, a two-year deal and then, you know, in five years, 
there, they cement themselves instead of next season. But but there's a role for for guys who can shoot the lights out and who can really, you know, burn a net. Then then it's there's always a role there for them. And I haven't I haven't watched any of him. I mean, there's just so many guys in the draft to get through, oh, yeah. and he's one that I haven't. So I'm not going to pretend to sit here and know what he's all about. I am going to go watch a Utah State game as soon as we finish this podcast because they've got me excited. But um, I just think that, that, yeah, good shooters, like shooters shoot and every team needs them as a fan of the Timberwolves who, you know, for the first 50 games of the year have one of the worst shooting teams I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, nah, I can tell you, you know, we can we can both say how, how valuable yeah. shooters are and, and yeah, we they... Yeah. That loss in the league. Yeah, it, it, it's it's not great, and having guys like Duncan Robinson is a heck of a lot more fun. So I and I, I I do like that kind of Duncan Robinson comp, except he you know he's three four inches shorter. Yeah, than Robinson. So how, who's, so how tall is who's he? Who's a surprisingly big dude. Uh so I, Merrill is he's only six five two oh five. Oh, that's not small um, though. That's for sure. No, no, and it, it's it's good size, but. It, and Duncan Robinson's like a legit big dude. He's like six eight, six nine. Yeah, yeah. Um, which you don't notice when he's out there, but right. But that, but and it definitely helps factors him. into the success of his jumper because he's got that high release point that is not easy to block. Um, but but Merrill has like that similar kind of release point. He has that similar off ball movement. So and he he's just he, he's fun to watch run through screens and just tortured from behind the arc. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely excited to watch him. So, overall, um, my list is Edwards, Maxi, Bomaro, Bain, Green, and then my sleeper was quickly. I mean, you can probably swap Bomaro and Bain if you wanted, but they're pretty close. But who was your five in in order or six? Yeah, so I got uh, Anthony Edwards, Maxi, Green, Bain. Cassius Stanley, and then Merrill is my actual sleeper this week. Um, so who would you have if it was, you know, if you were the Timberwolves, if you were going just purely based on, on fits with the Wolves, uh, who would you have? I I, I really want to say Edwards because I, he, he's realistic with, you know, the third pick, and he'll, he may be right there if, especially if they move up. Um, yeah, and, and it's obviously, and, and you have to, I guess, you know, decipher this on on draft position. I mean, like, right. at the third pick, Edwards is the man. I think just because you don't, you're not going to take one of these other guys at pick three. Right, and so I, I, I think Edwards is the best fit. I, I really worry about his, you know, his lack of obvious competitiveness. I, I pray that that was just situation-based, that there was something going on at Georgia where he just wanted out of there and just wanted to get to the pros. Um, but I, at the same time, I, I, I think he's probably the most talented guy in this draft. So I reluctantly say, think he's the best fit, but after that I would have to go with Josh Green or Desmond Bain, yeah. who I would honestly be fine with them taking with their 16 or 17, either one of them. Um, yeah, I think I think it's for me, it's Edwards first as well for, for all those reasons you suggested. And like we said earlier, I think a team with a ball handler like Russell and a, and a high volume scorer like Towns would really, I guess, you know, for lack of a better phrase, put him in his place, you know what I mean? Uh, give him that, that structured role as a third option or even if 
Malik Beasley is still there, you know, uh, maybe even a fourth option, and that's a guy who can who can really play to his strengths. So I agree, Edwards would be my Edwards would be my uh, Edwards would probably be my first pick. If they move up to one, I think I'd probably take Edwards. So you know, I can't say that he's not first in my shooting guard list, but after that, yeah, I think I think in order I'd probably go Edwards, Bain with the second pick. You know, Green is right there with him, like you said. Um, Bolmaro probably, and then Maxi. I mean, obviously, I like Maxi more than all those guys, but I just don't think Maxi's a great fit for Minnesota. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, he's kind of. Uh, I guess it's hard because you know if you play a two point guard lineup with D'Angelo Russell, I think you want the other player to be able to shoot or to be able to really facilitate yep. and. They're probably the two areas where I question Maxi because, you know, like we've spoke about it already. But, um, yeah, I just don't think he'd be a great fit with next to D'Angelo Russell. And obviously, I think he could back him up fairly well. But if you're going to draft Tyrese Maxi, you probably have hopes that he's going to end up as more than a, than a backup, you know, combo guard. Yeah, I, I just kind of think Maxi is redundant with Okogi back there. And I, I don't think we need another defensive minded two guard who can't shoot um you know I, I i love a kogi i love his defense but the the timberwolves you know they they want to shoot from outside yeah. they want shooters and we started last season as like the worst shooting team in the league despite shooting the third most threes and it was painful i i, I don't want to relive the days of having <laughs> travion graham and josh Kogi on the wings yeah. and it was brutal it was just brick after brick so I, I like Maxi a lot, and I had him second on my list for shooting guards. Um, I just think his, his fit on that, in that offense and alongside Russell, who can play off, who's really good off ball. I, I, I think it's just a it's a clumsy fit. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, uh, I think uh, Maxi will be a pretty good player, but I'm not sure if Minnesota is the place I want him to be. That that player because I don't think he'll ever reach a high-end outcome with the Timberwolves. But, yeah, I think the the green green fit is pretty obvious. I mean, like we said, perfect 3 and D player. He could play – I think he'd, he'd probably play the three. I mean, you could probably slot him in next to yeah. Russell and Beasley and, and he'd be able to hold his own. He, he'd be the best on-ball defender on the team probably. He would hit. Yeah, man, he's got the size to kind of switch. Yeah, and I think I think he's got a six ten wingspan as well, Green. So like yeah. you know, pretty comfortable going threes. He probably even ends up a three, you know, at the next level, depending on on who he gets drafted to. But right, like right, him and Okogi, you know, could share the floor together at times and be a really you know menacing on ball defensive duo, especially because Green can actually hit threes. I mean, it's still right. it's still a little bit clunky offensively because they both can't handle the ball or create their own shot at all. But, you know, in spurts, they'd be good together. Bain is, you know, an elite three-point shooter. He he would fit, like we said, fit on any team. I think you could put him, you know, on the team as a, as a backup to, as a, you know, guy who in a three-man guard rotation with, with or a four-man guard rotation with, with McLaughlin, uh, Russell, Beasley, and Bain. I think there's a ton of shooting there. And enough, yeah. you know, defensive chops from Bain to at least make it a little bit better than it is now. But um, yeah, I think overall it's 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 Edwards that's best there, and then probably Maxi that's the worst. And in between that, you could you could throw a towel over them. 
Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, so, yeah, so we'll, we'll leave it at that. I mean, we'll be back in a, in a few weeks, probably after the draft, um, after the, the lottery. We'll get into the small forwards. You know, we will talk about Devin Vassell. So, you know, everyone knows <laughs> knows where I'm at with, with Vassell. But, um, we'll get there. Yeah, we will get there. But um, this was really fun, as usual. Um, yeah. You can catch Tyler over on Twitter at uh, tmetcalf 11 um, he does really great work over at Hashtag Basketball and with Dunking with Wolves. I mean, his draft coverage at, at Hashtag Basketball is top tier. So if you like the draft stuff I do, if you like these podcasts, definitely go and check out that as well. And um, thanks again for coming on, Tyler. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Um, so I'll see all you guys next week. <laughs>